Hey there, friends. This is the Better Self Project. This is a podcast all about self-improvement, self-development, and self-empowerment. We are here for busy adults who want to learn practical tips and strategies that will enable them to cultivate a better self. And today we're going to be talking about the dangers inherent in restriction, more specifically, the enormously uncool paradox of fad diets, which often result in the occurrence of the restrict binge restrict cycle. And we're going to talk about what that means, what's inherent in fad dieting protocols or rigid and restrictive dieting protocols and how to break that cycle. I'm your host, Kyle, and with me as always is... I'm Pamela. Okay, so we're going to do a little story here. It starts a little bit like this. A lot of times people, they might look in the mirror and they might say, you know, I'm not very happy with my body's current condition or any other variation of that, which we've all been there. We've all looked at ourselves and started picking ourselves apart. It's not always warranted that we do this, but it is part of human nature, I think. And it's something that I think we all can relate to. Invariably, we might see an advertisement or a new book or our friend is talking to us about their new diet that's working wonders. And then we think to ourselves, you know, that product might be able to help with my current condition. And then insert fad diet protocol or cleanse or detox or dieting product or fat burning product or whatever. Okay, I should try that. And thus begins the restriction cycle. So back to what I said before, the restrict, binge, restrict cycle. So with the fad diet or just the dieting protocol in general, or if we're using a product or something or a meal plan and it's restrictive, it might say that there's food that's off limits and we just immediately start craving those food items because we can't have them. Our silly brains just ruminate on those food items until we start the next step in the cycle, which is the binge portion of the cycle. And so we eat the foods that are off limits, usually in the form of processed carbohydrates or processed food in general. And then we feel a sense of guilt or shame or some combination of the two. And then we start restricting again. So that completes the restrict, binge, restrict cycle. And then we just repeat it over and over and over again. In order to gain long-term success with food, it's going to require that we find something that's flexible and that works for the individual, works for you. And it needs to be individualized to you, the individual, because everybody's going to have a different way of eating. And that's how we probably should eat, should be tailored to the individual. We're going to talk about that. We're going to give some examples of how we can break this restrict, binge, restrict cycle. I know for me, one of the things that was really difficult was as I approached my late 20s and early 30s, my body shifted. It changed. My diet habits or my eating habits hadn't really shifted a whole lot, but my body didn't respond the way that it used to. And this resulted in a couple of these cycles becoming habits. So I can recall being in a place when I was in college, I could look at myself and say, "Mm, I'm feeling a little fluffy. I'm feeling a little chunky these days. So I'm just going to maybe not eat as much over the next couple of days and that'll be fine. Which P.S. I have a history of some not great eating habits. There's some disordered eating habits in my history. And I think all people have been in a place where we have not 
made the best choices with our eating habits. But you know, when I was in college, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I'll just take it easy the next couple days and I'll be fine. Things will even out. It's no big deal. And as I got older, that was less and less likely to give me the quote unquote results I was looking for. I would restrict myself because that's what it is. I would purposefully go hungry. I would purposefully skip lunch while I was at work. I would purposefully tell myself that I wasn't hungry. And then I'd come home and I was starving. I would crack open a beer or have a glass of wine and inevitably over consume food immediately after because then not only am I already hungry, but then I'm not listening to what my body needs. I'm dulling my senses to responding to what my body actually needs. And then I would overconsume food on top of it. And then I'd go to sleep. I'd wake up feeling gross and terrible, telling myself the same story, which is, okay, well, I guess now I really need to skip lunch because I way overdid yesterday. And I'm basically a garbage human who doesn't know how to do different. (laughs) But we've all been there to some degree where our body isn't responding the way that it used to, or we're not feeling the way that we used to and we try these same old terrible habits and we're no better off the next day. In fact, most of the times I was worse because now I felt like a garbage human going into those same behaviors and those same habits. We have to break the cycle of believing that overly restricting and then inevitably binging and treating ourselves like garbage on top of that is somehow going to get us closer to our goals because it doesn't. And it harms us in the meantime. I think the reason people fall prey to this way of thinking is because we're under the assumption that it works. That in order to lose body fat or lose weight, which is what most people think of when they think, oh, I really overdid yesterday or over the weekend, that I just need to restrict myself. I need to engage in very rigid, restrictive behavior. The only reason we're so susceptible to engaging in this behavior is because we've been taught and conditioned to believe that it works, which it doesn't, by the way, especially long term. It can actually have the reverse effect of what we're after, and it can be damaging to to our hormonal profile. It can be damaging to our overall mental health. It can be damaging to our self-image and our self-efficacy because when we feel a sense of self-efficacy, we feel as if what we're doing is working in a sense. So it can translate to other areas of our lives because we can start to feel like a failure and we can start to feel like we don't have any measure of control because everything we try doesn't work. And this is just one small sliver of our life, just one small tiny facet of our life. Life, which is what we consume on a day-to-day basis and how that fuels our body and how our body responds to the fuel that we're giving it. So there's a lot of cultural conditioning there. There's a lot of societal conditioning there. And it's something that I think most people can relate to, especially in the westernized culture, just because we've been taught that this works when it doesn't. Kyle, that's so good. I think you are absolutely right. I think when we look at ourselves and we say, okay, well, I can't even control my body. I can't even get success with what I'm eating. How am I supposed to control anything else? How am I supposed to be successful in any other regard in my life? Yes, that absolutely translates. And I do want to talk very briefly about guilt and shame. I'm a big Brene Brown fan and she has a wonderful TED Talk. She describes herself as someone who is a researcher in guilt and shame. And I want to point out, I think there is a difference between the two. I think a lot of times we use them interchangeably, but I do believe there is a difference between the two. Guilt is an indicator emotion. It is something that prompts us and should give us an indication of, "Mm, okay, I did a thing. 
I made a choice. I did a thing. And maybe it wasn't the best choice. Maybe it wasn't the best thing. So I want to do something different next time. Shame is I am a bad person. I do bad things. It is identifying with that behavior and then staying in it and saying, I am a terrible person or I can't take care of myself. I'm not somebody who does that well. I eat like garbage. That is a phrase that I used with myself repeatedly. That's not an indicator of, hey, I did this thing. I made this choice and I don't want to make that choice next time. I identified with that. That is the difference. Guilt is an indicator that something should change. Something needs to be different. But when you stay in it, and you identify with it, that is shame. That is treating yourself poorly. That is identifying with your behavior. And we are not the sum of our choices. And the guilt slash shame cycle or portion of the cycle happens after binging, right? So we have the really restrictive dieting protocol that we can't stick to, isn't sustainable. It sets us up to fail. So inevitably we binge and then we feel one of two things, guilt or shame or some combination of the two. And guilt can be an indicator. It doesn't necessarily have to be a negative indicator. Oftentimes what people will do is they'll just engage in more restrictive behavior after they feel guilty. So I had a really bad weekend, I overdid it. Therefore, I'm going to be even more rigid and more restrictive on Monday morning. And that is not necessarily a great idea or worthwhile strategy either because it just perpetuates the cycle, the restrict binge restrict cycle. So we have to make a different choice after that. Guilt can be an indicator. It doesn't necessarily need to be a toxic thing, as you said, that we need to sit in and just stay in and exist in. But it can be the indicator that, okay, maybe we should try something else. And we want to give some examples of some things to try beyond just being very rigid and very restrictive. So I'll give you an example. We were talking about paleo and we're not demonizing any dieting protocols. We're just throwing out examples here. Paleo actually isn't the worst thing in the world because typically paleo just means you're prioritizing things like veggies, fruits, protein, and whole grains. So not a lot of processed food. The problem with that is it's very rigid for most people, especially in a modernized culture. We're surrounded by things that are processed. Food is processed everywhere. And so it lacks flexibility. If you're trying to not eat any processed food whatsoever, that's a fairly rigid protocol for most people today in the 21st century. It's not accessible for most people. It tends to be pretty pricey. It requires that you have easy and affordable access to fresh foods all the time. It can be really difficult to sustain as a busy adult or with busy families. And again, yeah, that would be amazing. It's ideal to get the majority of your foods from real food. That's great. But there needs to be some element of flexibility within your daily nutritional habits so that you're not ending up in that same negative cycle all over again of feeling like, oh, well, I took the fam through the drive-thru, so I guess tomorrow I have to skip breakfast and lunch. So we want to give some examples for some behaviors that can actually be sustainable and doable long-term and ultimately will have the desired result, which is overall good health. Everything else can just be a byproduct of the behaviors and the habits, but we want to give some tactical examples for breaking the restrict binge restrict cycle. And it starts off with knowing that we need to pick something that has some flexibility that 
is approachable, that is doable and sustainable for the long term. Healthy bodies are not constantly restricting themselves. So people who engage in healthy behaviors are not constantly restricting themselves. I think just knowing that, having self-awareness and recognizing that that's how it usually happens with most people who are engaging in healthy behaviors, that they're not white knuckling through pain and discomfort all the time because they're depriving themselves of things they can and can't eat. Once we are aware of that, then we can take a 10,000 foot view of our eating and say, okay, how can we approach this? Now that I have the self-awareness to know that I don't need to restrict and succumb to a rigid dieting protocol, what next? What can we do next? This is why it helps to have a plan. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have every single meal planned out and cooking every single item from scratch. But sort of like what we were saying earlier, try to make a majority of your meals something real. And when I say real, I mean a one ingredient food. So broccoli is broccoli. Broccoli doesn't go on a conveyor belt. It isn't mass produced and processed the way maybe a Easy Mac microwavable bowl is. <laughs> so trying to make those a priority, trying to make sure that you're getting plenty of those one ingredient foods that you know are going to be good for you. And planning ahead can simply just mean they're available. You have them in the fridge, they're there. And making sure that you are still allowing for flexibility. If you ran late coming home from work one day, it's okay to grab Chipotle. That doesn't make you a failure at planning. It means you've got some good safety measures in place with some healthier options so that you can cut yourself some slack. But planning ahead and knowing what works based on your lifestyle will help prevent you from engaging in that same negative cycle of overly restricting and then binging and then starting that cycle all over. Yeah. And the planning portion is key. Sometimes we overlook the planning portion, but the problem with most Americans, I think, is we tend to eat impulsively. So we eat very off the cuff. Usually we wait to eat until we're starving. So we're starving and then we decide what to eat. But by that point, our hunger hormones are calling out for whatever's closest and most convenient. And a lot of times that's going to be highly palatable, calorically dense food items. So things that are easy to eat that have lots of calories per bite. Right. You're hangry, you grab the chips. It's not you're hangry and then you carefully, thoughtfully and mindfully start cooking a healthy, <laughs> delicious meal. I mean, maybe you do. Kudos. I know that I'm hangry. I grab the chips. It is much more difficult for me to thoughtfully and intentionally start cooking a meal if I'm already starving, if I'm already not in my wisest mindset right before dinner. The other thing that we try to do is we try to have a template to use for dinner most nights. So this can look different for different people, but it's good to have a template that you can follow that way even if you have different ingredients, they can still fulfill the template. So for us, and this is something that we give to a lot of our clients, is our plate at the end of the night, our dinner plate is going to have 50% of veggies or a side salad or some combination of the two. Maybe even throw some fruit on there because that could count as well in that 50% portion. And then we're going to have 25% starch. So rice, quinoa blend, protein pasta, that's going to be 25% of the plate. And then the other 25% is going to be protein. So protein meaning grilled chicken, lean ground beef, steak, seafood, shrimp, even tofu if we're having a meatless Monday or something. But that fulfills the template and we do that most of the time. 
time. So then that takes the thought out of it. We don't have to pre-plan every single meal that we're making. It can just be a general guideline, but it still falls within the parameters that we've set. Other things we can do too, to make sure that we're being very protective of ourselves and our mental health when it comes to this restrict and binge cycle is check your social media. Are you following people that are promoting restrictive dieting protocols? Are you following people that give you unrealistic or unhealthy perspective of your own body? Are you constantly engaging and comparing yourself to those around you? Your story and your relationship with food is not going to be like anybody else's, but you do decide what kinds of media you consume on the regular. And so if you see things that are too triggering for you, it's causing you to look poorly at yourself or believe that this one magic pill or this one magic wrap is suddenly going to give you the body of your dreams and you know that that's not healthy or helpful for you, hit that snooze button unfollow. Be mindful of what is giving you perspective about how you treat yourself and how you treat your body. That's good. Also, if you happen to have a bad weekend where maybe you consume more food than you think you needed to, or you're feeling slightly guilty about engaging in whatever behavior over the weekend, one thing I would recommend is just resume normal eating habits. Don't fall prey to the restriction cycle because there will be a rebound. And that's the inherent problematic nature of the these types of cycles. Just resume normal eating as you would. Don't restrict yourself. You'll actually even out much more efficiently with your hormones and you won't be punishing yourself. You won't be needlessly punishing yourself, which is really what the restriction is. It's needless punishment and we don't need to punish ourselves into being thin. That's not how that works. We need to develop systems and the hope is to fall in love with engaging in those daily systems, those life systems that help us live the life that we want because then all we have to do is run the system and and when the system's running efficiently, then the byproduct is overall health. That includes not punishing yourself the next day in the gym either. So you're not going to work off a weekend's worth of calories. Don't do that. That's not helpful. It's not healthy. So don't go punish yourself with a three-hour workout session the next day either. Be kind to yourself. Take a deep breath and keep moving forward. If you find that you are tempted to overly restrict or you are feeling tempted to beat yourself up about it, take a couple deep breaths, drink a glass of water, and use those as new rituals to reset. One of the things that we'll tell our people if they're feeling triggered or they're feeling tempted to be overly restrictive is to create a new detour. So in our past, we had this cycle, we had this behavior of, okay, I made these choices, so now it's time to restrict. And your brain is reinforcing it because you've created a path where you've taught yourself, I do this one thing, then that means I have to do this next behavior. So let's break that cycle if you feel yourself going down that same path, interrupt it. Interrupt that neural pathway. Pause. Take a couple deep breaths. Drink your water and then move forward. Yeah, use the Mel Robbins trick. Count five, four, three, two, one to yourself. And that's a good pattern interrupt that just kind of jolts us back into our conscious mind and our wise mind. Yeah, because that's the thing. When we're behaving and engaging in overly restrictive and binging cycles, it's a very emotional response, right? We are telling ourselves that we are bad or we've done this terrible thing. And so we're reacting very emotionally. It's the same thing too when we're engaging in unhealthy binging 
changing behaviors. We're having an emotional response to how we've treated ourselves, an emotional response to food. So one thing we can do too is try to get back into that logical mindset. In that logical mindset, that's where we're planning. In that logical mindset, that's when we're looking at our systems that we have in place. In our logical mindset, that's when we're thinking thoughtfully and intentionally about how we want to take care of ourselves. So by engaging in incorporating some of these systems, incorporating some of these practices, even if it's just those small, tiny little rituals, even if it's just making sure that you have a few good options to come home to, that is going to help keep us out of that cycle because we're responding more thoughtfully and less emotionally, less reactive responses. Just remember to be kind to yourself too. Be thoughtful and kind to the emotional part of you. It takes time and it takes practice. So just a couple other quick tactical examples. Number one, we can set up a template for dinner or breakfast or lunch or all three. And we try to follow that as often as possible. So that's pre-planning so that we don't succumb to impulsive eating that will lead to that restrictive behavior. Another thing we can do is we can try to get a little bit of protein in the morning because that's going to satiate us. Protein is the most satiating macronutrient. That's a good way to feel full and satiated throughout the day, getting some healthy fats early on. So if you're doing a protein shake in the morning, throw some protein, throw some almond butter, some natural peanut butter, even quarter of an avocado would work as a healthy fat and that's going to satiate you for many hours leading into a healthy lunch. If we're doing these things and we're eating similarly throughout the week, then we can have a little bit more flexibility on the weekends or maybe one weekday where we go out with our spouse or if we want to go to brunch on Sunday, we can have that flexibility and it's not going to totally derail our goals and we can establish that self-awareness where we know it's not going to derail our goals. Once we recognize this, then we no longer have to succumb to the restriction and the binging and the restriction again. So I think that's a good place to wrap it up. We'll give more tactical advice on this stuff in future episodes, I'm sure. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Be mindful. There's going to be a lot of terrible, shiny, glittery, appealing looking ads this season telling you that somebody has a one-stop shop solution, a pill or a shake that's going to do the trick. Don't engage in that take care of yourselves take care of your mental health we appreciate having you all thank you for taking some time to listen to us today in your car in your house in your earbuds <laughs> if you would like more information about what we do you can go to our website at betterselfnutrition.com if you have any specific questions and you just want to drop us a line feel free we're at betterselfnutrition at gmail.com we're on instagram at betterselfnutrition hope you have a wonderful week and a wonderful holiday and we'll talk to you soon bye bye Thank you.